بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد مبارك وسلم We are in Surah Al-Qasas Surah number 28 and ayah number 36 Surah Al-Qasas which is the story أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فلما جاءهم موسى بآياتنا قالوا ما هذا إلا سحر مفترى وما سمعنا بهذا في آبائنا الأولين قال موسى ربي أعلم بمن جاء بالهدى من عنده ومن تكون له عاقبة الدار إنه لا يفلح الظالمون. The story of Musa عليه السلام going to Firaun after his appointment as a messenger with his brother Harun. Allah سبحانه وتعالى mentions here in this surah a dialogue which is mentioned in other surahs with different words but the almost the same meaning but definitely the same message in this surah Allah subhanahu wa says then so when Musa came to them and brought them our signs that were clear and evident they, referring to the people of Fir'aun and Fir'aun himself, they all declared, مَا هَذَا إِلَّا سِحْرٌ مُفْتَرًا All of this is nothing except a sihr. It is a jadu, it is witchcraft and magic which has been invented and fabricated. And we have not heard of this in the annals of our forefathers, the people who came before us, they never informed us about such magic, and they never informed us about people who claimed that they uh, spoke to God or God spoke to them. Uh, They did not mention anything that Musa and his brother are mentioning. This is a very uh, condensed version of what happened. As you know in Surah Al-Araf and in Surah Taha, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses the issue, Surah Al-Shu'ara also we did it, that Musa salam went in front of Fir'aun and uh, Fir'aun started to rebuke him and accuse him again of fleeing the country as a fugitive. <laughs> and said that he was wanted under the law uh, as a fugitive and then mentioned to Musa all the favors that he had done to him raised him in his palace gave him everything under the sun literally and so on then there was an exchange and then uh, a meeting and a gathering was summoned where the magicians came and they threw their staffs in the arena and the amphitheater and Musa overwhelmed them, he defeated them 
and their witchcraft and their magic and their sorcery. So Firaun and his people in that civilization, uh, witchcraft and magic and uh, all of this occult uh, sciences were on the rise. And people were very familiar with such practices. They were not familiar with witchcraft and magic as being real. Okay. Where Musa salam, when he threw his staff down, what happened was that the staff became a serpent, a snake. But the serpent and the snake was not a hallucination, as it is in witchcraft where there's a power of suggestion. Right? That the onlooker will believe it is, but it's not in reality. With the Mu'ajizah, with the miracle, the staff actually becomes a real snake. Therefore, it is a miracle, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ability to do this. And that is why the snake then got gobbled up, or the other uh, snakes that were false, and uh, they were just actually ropes. Okay? So they could not understand this to be anything except a higher form of sihr and witchcraft. So this is how they plotted and schemed and strategized to defeat Musa salam and whatever he was presenting to them. Meaning that these signs from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not convince Fir'aun and his people that he was a Nabi and that he was sent from Allah for number of reasons. One is that Firaun himself declared to be the highest god. And number two, the people in Egypt at that time were so accustomed to a very luxurious uh, standard of living that the, the lifestyle that Musa was now presenting would uh, uproot their lifestyle in totality. So in order to preserve their lifestyle and in order to preserve the kingdom of Firaun, uh, they then uh, accuse Musa of further witchcraft and inventing ideals that were not part of their civilization. Musa salam, being a Nabi of Allah and being a Rasul, obviously he was very clever and smart. As you know, he was raised in the palace himself. He knew the pros and cons of debate and he knew the ins and outs of rhetoric and he knew how to negotiate, and how to be diplomatic, and how to be straightforward. So with Nabuwa, okay, Nabuwa then further enhanced his intellect even more. So uh, in, uh, the intellect of a Nabi is always very high to begin with, and with Nabuwa it is further accentuated, and he becomes even more of an intellectual. So Musa, in a very calm way, now uh, retorts, and describes what he knows, and then, okay, as you can see from the wordings that the Qur'an uses, it is a very unique method of overcoming the false allegations of people. وَقَالَ مُوسَىٰ أَعْلَمُ بِمَنْ جَاءَ بِالْهُدَىٰ مِنْ عِنْدِهِ Musa then said that my Lord, who is not you, you claim to be the Lord of all people and the highest Lord. Musa immediately retorts and says, no. First of all, let's get one thing straight. 
and that is, I have a Lord who is not you. So the one who is my Lord, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a'lamu, knows much more than I do and than what you do. So Allah's knowledge is infinite, it is absolute, it is eternal, and our knowledge is finite, and it is not absolute, and definitely not eternal. So, first of all, you are not my Lord, you did not make me, you did not create me. And number two, you don't know anything. Because Allah knows much more than you and me put together. A'lam, so he's much more knowledgeable and aware of whom? Biman ja'a bil huda, of the one who is on guidance. So my Lord knows, and my Lord he guides. My Lord is not someone who does not have knowledge, nor is he one who leads people astray. Whereas if we look at your track record of your own, you lead everybody astray. You are nothing except deception, and you are nothing except manipulation, and you are nothing except tyrant. And that is not the meaning of a Lord, because the Lord is very compassionate, the Lord is very graceful, the Lord is very gracious, and the Lord knows how to develop without manipulating. So this is how Musa now comes into the realm of debate, prophetic debates is a norm with prophets. Prophets do debate. Okay, so Muslim must appreciate the art of debating. Okay. These were the proofs and evidences we gave to Ibrahim against his people, meaning the Prophet's intellect is supreme and powerful, and the Prophet will engage in a meaningful discussion and a debate without shying away from the truth. They don't stand there apologizing for who they are, what they are, who Allah is, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. They will stand there with a spine and a backbone and say, this is what I believe in, I'm a free man, and I have the freedom to express who, who and what I believe in, and I have the freedom to know what I believe in is the truth, and I have the intelligence to prove it. Right. They don't back down from debates. They're not pussycats. <laughs> Meaning that if you want intellectual debate, I'll give you one. We're not here just because we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we bow down and we make sajda and we say subhanAllah. No. We bow down in front of Allah, but we don't bow down in front of anyone else besides Allah. Right? That's the difference. And today people bow down in front of people, but they don't bow down in front of Allah. So this now is the result of uh, Musa alayhi nabuwa and his prophethood. Minandihi, from his side, he guides from his side. Not only that, but Allah subhanahu also knows the consequences of the actions of people. Okay. He knows the consequences of the dar, the abode of this life that he knows what's going to happen to people before they die, when they die, and after they die. So his knowledge is beyond our imagination, beyond our grasp, and beyond our perception, and beyond any conception that we may have. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives this knowledge to prophets. So who gives us knowledge about what's going to happen after death? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Firaun, you say that you have raised everybody and you are their lord and you have given them security and luxuries, but you don't know what's going to happen to them after they die because you don't know what's going to happen to you after you die. So, so your kingdom is all but uh, incomplete and your authority over people is terminated once they die because you won't have any authority. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's authority will, will continue even after people die. إِنَّهُ لَا يَفْلِحُ Indeed, the fact of the matter is that he will never give success to anyone who's an oppressor. Anyone who's a tyrant will not be successful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't give success to those people who oppress and who do wrong. And this is now a social vice and a social evil where people who rule must appreciate that and the people uh, whom they rule must not be treated with injustice and with uh, tyranny and with oppression. So in the, the scheme of the dunya, in, in terms of how we behave in this world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not give any success to those who trample over the rights and emotions of other people who are innocent. That is not the norm of this world and definitely not the norm of the other world. Some people may get away with uh, tyranny and murder, but eventually on the Day of Judgment, they will be called in front of everybody to answer for their oppression and answer for their crimes and their sins. This is what Musa is saying. Okay? So you can imagine the awe now. If you imagine the, the, the spectacle in front of Fir'aun, where he has a huge throne, and he has soldiers on both sides, and this is his court, and he has dignitaries, and he has ministers, and he has people uh, in the gallows, in the audience, and now Musa is saying this in front of Fir'aun. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, a spectacle. You have to create in your mind this spectacle so that you understand the, 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 the might of Musa, Islam in front of the tyranny and oppression of Fir'aun. Right. As the Prophet ﷺ said, أَفْضَلُ الْجِهَادِ كَلِمَةَ حَقٍ عِنْدَ سُلْطَانٍ جَائِرٍ That the best form of jihad is what? That you speak a word of truth in front of an oppressive king. And that's not easy. Why? Because are you ready for the consequences? One thing is, I don't agree with the king, this and and the other thing is saying that if I say this, I'm going to go to jail and I'll be imprisoned, I might even be killed. Are you ready for that? Well, if you're not ready for that, then don't make too much noise. <laughs> because that, does, that is what happens. Right? When you speak the truth, you must be ready for the consequences of speaking the truth. You can't make noise for the sake of making noise. Musa, salam, first of all, he's not afraid of Firaq, because he knows him. He raised him, right? He was like his adopted son. I know you, inside out. I know your court, I know your civilization, I know your culture, I know your system. Number two, you are nothing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now he, he's demonstrating the might and the power and the intellectual dexterity of a Nabi with these words. And uh, you can imagine it was pin drop silence. Who is Musa to say this to Fir'aun, the greatest ruler on earth? 
وقال فرعون يا ايها المال ما علمت لكم من اله غير فرعون obviously he is not a pushover he is also very smart and sophisticated he knows how to rile up uh, and uh, you know, wind up the crowd and he knows how to control and how to mesmerize with his speech and how he has ruled with authority for so many decades he knows okay. so he then engages in a form of dialogue uh, that is uh, now somewhat different from what Musa al-Salam is saying when Musa al-Salam is only expressing the truth Firaun now tunes into his art of manipulation and he starts to manipulate the people and he says Oh, chieftains. Oh, chiefs, I'm not addressing people there, over there. They're not worth addressing. I'm addressing you. You are the leaders of the community. You maintain my kingdom for me. So I'm addressing you, O council, that I don't know of any god besides me for you. The only god I know for you is me. Meaning that if you see me as your benefactor, and if you see me as your provider, then I don't know anyone who is more suitable to be your god than me. Right. He's manipulating their mind. So now there's power of suggestion through now witchcraft and magic, and there's a power of suggestion through words, <coughs> as the Prophet said, وَإِنَّ لَفِي الْبَيَانِ لَسِحْرًا إِنَّ فِي الْبَيَانِ لَسِحْرًا It's an expression, there's magic. Right. So you can have the power of suggestion, hypnotize people by your speech. And this is what Firaun is doing. So the magicians, they fail. Firaun says, I'm not going to fail. I know how to manipulate the minds of people. I know how to manipulate the minds of my generals and my officers and my ministers. So I'm going to do that. I don't know of any other god for you except me. And I'm going to prove it to you. So now... In Firaun's now huge, huge ministry, there were many engineers. If you know about the Egyptian civilization, you know that they were great builders, right? And from their buildings, there were the pyramids. So there was this master engineer, okay? the master architect in Firaun's now ministry. His name was Haman, right? Some of the ulama of tafsir have now provided evidence to us that the word Haman in the original meaning during the time of Firaun was engineer. The word Haman was a title given to the chief engineer. So the Quran is now representing that reality. So Firaun says, فَوْقِدْلِ يَهَامَانُ So now kindle a fire for me, O Haman, meaning that you are the chief engineer and you know how to build, as we all know the Egyptians built, and they built everything. And we're still mesmerized as to how they built the pyramids. The Quran doesn't go into what they built, the Quran goes into a different element. It's not, not the building, but the builder. <laughs> You're amazed with the pyramids. Why don't you just fascinate her over the fact that somebody built it? Now, who is that somebody who built that in Haman? So we're going to tell you what happened to Haman also. <laughs> Never mind the pyramids. The person who built the pyramids, uh, now he's someone 
we must understand and discuss. So, Fir'aun now is the, the ruler, and under his rule and kingdom, he has these geniuses. <coughs> Meaning that the, the mark of a ruler is how great his engineers are. Without buildings, you wouldn't have a civilization, and you wouldn't have an empire. Right? If you didn't have grand buildings in the state capital, or any capital, uh, then you wouldn't say, uh, and the developed countries. <laughs> developed countries means what? Building, grand buildings, and you have architects, and you have geniuses, and the people who do this and do that for you. So the Qur'an is now opening, opening up in this story, the story. You must understand that Fir'aun was not saying that he is their God and their Lord for no reason. The reason he's saying that is because he said that the proof is in the pudding. I've given you this luxurious lifestyle and culture and civilization because I have all of these people underneath me. And they all worship me. So if they worship me, why don't you worship me? On my command, they build pyramids. I'm, on my command, they build, uh, as you see in Surah al-Shura and other places in the Quran, they, they build these gardens and these orchards and these vineyards and these streams and uh, all of this, uh, all of these, these wonderful, wonderful inamat, uh, blessed with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now, who does this for you? It is my command, Firaun said. So, Ya Haman, O Haman, I'm commanding you as my chief engineer and my chief architect that you must kindle a fire for me. Upon mud. Meaning that get your incinerators going and get your engineering crew and everybody together so that they have a huge, huge now capacity to bake uh, now bricks. Uh, tell them that I need to, to build a huge monument, a tall monument that takes me to the heavens and the skies. So can you imagine the amount of work that's needed for that, the amount of skill that's needed for that, the amount of manpower, that, the amount of raw material that's needed for that? Right? It doesn't come easily. So who has this ability? Only an emperor. Uh, understand the story the way perhaps you might depict it in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, see the picture in front of you. Not that Hollywood do justice to anything. I'm just saying that for the sake of us understanding the Quran, every word in the Quran counts. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is using these words. There's a Haman, you are the chief engineer, and I want you to ignite this furnace for me so that you are able to manufacture all of these bricks, and these bricks will allow you to do what? Fajalli sarhan. And then construct for me a lofty tower, huge tower. So who has the ability to do this? Only the emperor, meaning that it takes years and decades uh, to build the Taj Mahal, right? Have you ever wondered how many decades it took and how much material it took, and how many people had to die to build something, a monument for someone who already was dead <laughs> in the first place. Right? So building is not a joke. 
You manage your own house, and it just takes time, money, effort, frustration. Right? Taking care of your house is not easy. Now, if you're already saying, hey, I'm going to see, I'm going to, I'm going to build a tower, huge tower. I have the manpower, the material, I have the ability, I have everybody in front of me, and I won't need to blink, because Hamad will do this for me. On my command, he'll do it for me. So now he's showing his power, his authority, and his dexterity, and his ability to understand what Musa is saying, that I'm going to prove to you, O Musa, that you are not God, and nor is your God my God. I'm your God. And the reason I want you to build this huge construction so that I may now come upon the God of Musa. I want to meet him. He is the God, and if the God is there, he's not on land because I'm on land. So the God of Musa must be up there. So I'm going to go and visit him up there. heard of the space program. <laughs> he didn't back away. Firon did not back away from the challenge either. That's why he was Firon. He said, I'm going to show you who is God. <laughs> I indeed believe him, meaning Musa, to be a liar, that he is not telling the truth, and I'm going to show you within the next two years, five years, however, however long it takes Haman to build this building, that I'm going to go there, and I'm going to meet him, and I'm going defeat him, I have the ability to do so. Okay. The Qur'an doesn't mention explicitly what happened. But however, we can read in between the lines and we know that Haman did build this huge tower, this burj, and it went very, very high up. How high, we don't know, but we can assume it. If you can build something like uh, the skyscrapers in Chicago, very easily, I'm sure, he was able to build quite a large skyscraper right, over there in Egypt. And he actually went up onto the skyscraper. He took his uh, bow and arrow and other stories that are mentioned in the Israeliyat, uh, the accounts of the Jewish traditions. We don't need to mention those, but it is quite plausible that he did go up. Uh, he did look for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there, but obviously... Allah is not going to appear to him the way he appeared to Musa Musa said, I went and I saw and met God, spoke to God where? Mount Sinai. So Firon said, I'm, gonna, I'm going to make a tower that is going to be much taller than Mount Sinai. If I can't find him, that means you're lying. Why is he saying Musa is lying? He said, Mount Sinai is 300 feet, 500 feet, 1,000 feet, whatever it is. I'm going to build a building that's 2,000 feet, twice the size of Mount Sinai. And if I don't see him, that means Musa is lying. You understand the relation? I believe that he's a liar. How will Firaun prove that he's a liar? By building this building. So that's what I mean by reading in between the lines. So it is quite plausible that he went, he climbed the building, and he didn't find Allah, because Allah does not appear that way to anyone, whenever anyone wants to meet him. He only appears to those whom he chooses. So this is how Firon then uh, convinced his people that Musa is alive because I didn't see him when I went up there, meaning his Lord, his, his God. 
the, the creation was now through the striking of one staff. And that is Allah's power. It is not human power. But it was real. It was not imaginary. It was not hallucination. And because it was real, that's how the tribes crossed. And then with another strike on the other side, it became what it became, meaning the sea. And that is where the uh, people of Fir'aun perished. And they drowned there. So this is Allah subhanahu showing us in a very concise, condensed way, the short form of the story that if you want to represent and depict a story, you can do so if the reader already knows the details of the story. And since this story was revealed after the other surahs, Surah Al-Araf, Surah Al-Shu'ara, and others, now the reader already knows. So now, what Allah subhanahu is bringing to this story is the art of uh, condensing in very succinct words a story that means so much to everybody. So here the point is that anyone who claims to be greater than all the human beings, he will perish. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this happen for Fir'aun and his people. Okay. And now, oh, you, Muhammad, you must observe and look and see what is the fate and the eventual consequence of those who are oppressors and tyrants and wrongdoers. Meaning, Fir'aun perished because of his wrongdoing. Okay. What caused this divine disaster? to come upon Fir'aun, Fir'aun's own wrongdoing. It wasn't that God had a personal vendetta against Fir'aun, anybody. That's not the way it works. Okay? So divine punishment comes not because the divine is always angry and he's always out to kill everybody on the planet, no. The divine has an order in this world. What is that order? That if you are unjust and ruthless and you are an oppressor, then uh, you will not be able to cheat life. Life will get the better of you. Right? That's cause and effect. So wherever there's a cause, there'll be an effect. Oppression will lead you to your destruction. That's a rule. And that's Allah's rule. That's God's rule on earth. If you are a tyrant, and you do something wrong in this world, you'll face the consequences, some of them, in this world. Right? The eventual consequence of the sin, Allah will meet out, God forbid, on the Day of Judgment. But the consequence of wrongdoing, you may face that here in this world. Now, if you escape this world, Allah will catch you in the other world, but most people don't escape this world. Okay. O Muhammad reflect and think and observe as to what is the fate of those who are wrongdoers. So this this fate is about the fate of Fir'aun in the dunya. Right? Because the fate of Fir'aun in the Akhir is mentioned afterwards. So this uh, people like Ibn Khaldun and others say this is the norm of the dunya. This is how now uh, nations rise and fall. If you want to maintain a civilization, your civilization must be built upon principles of justice and not principles of oppression. And when a nation does not stand up against oppression, that nation is doomed for destruction. 
So in a way, it's good that people stand up for justice. <laughs> There's still some there, something there. It's keeping the nation going. Yeah? And Allah give us all justice and Tawheed and Islam, which is the ultimate justice. So that is a good sign. So here we see that Fir'aun perished and his troops, his armies also perished, not only because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to punish the Fir'aun in this world, but also because of Fir'aun's own actions and oppression and his own tyranny. That is something we must also appreciate in this world, the past, uh, I would say, you know, several millenniums of human history has shown us uh, that uh, oppressors always lose, tyrants are always replaced, and if nothing, then they die at least. <laughs> no one lives forever. No one is that invincible that they live forever. And this is the aqibah, the consequence of those who do bad deeds. There's a consequence for those who do good deeds also, as we know, and that is also mentioned later on in the surah, at the end of the surah. وجعلناهم أئمة يدعون إلى النار ويوم القيامة لا ينصرون. This house. So now we made them, we rendered them into being leaders, أئمة. But what kind of leaders? That they call, they call others towards the fire, ultimate destruction, and the punishment, divine punishment, on the day of judgment. Meaning that there are two forms and two types of leaders. One leader will call you towards salvation, and the other leader will call you towards hell. Okay. So which leader do you want to be? And this is obviously an indictment against Muslims who want to lead people towards the betterment of the world at the expense of being in the fire. This is, not you. This is your political science. You understand Islamic political science? Understand this ayah. The Firaun and his people were leaders. They were a great civilization, arguably one of the greatest ever. Right? As we still see the remnants of their civilization in Egypt today. Nobody will deny that. But what happened? What happened is that they led their people astray. So when leaders lead people astray, then they have a consequence. What is that? On the Day of Judgment, they will not be assisted. They will have no support on the Day of Judgment. They will no longer be leaders on the Day of Judgment because everybody will abandon them and disown them in front of the might and power of Allah's power. So now, in your political theory, if you want to be a political theorist, uh, from the point of view of what Islam says about political theory, then you must incorporate the Akhirah in the discussion, which is mentioned at the end of the Surah. If you do not add the Akhirah in this discussion, you will not be assisted on the Day of Judgment. You might get your two cents of glory in this world. But on the Day of Judgment, وَيَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ لَا No assistance, no support will be coming to you on the Day of Judgment because that's the Day of Hisab. That is the Day of Deen and Judgment. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is warning the early Muslims also that you are being uh, oppressed by the Quraysh. So this is a Makki Surah. This Surah is revealed in Makkah. 
not in Medina. So this is before the Hijrah. So the Muslims are few and they're saying they've been oppressed. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the Prophet is informing the Sahaba that look, the people of Musa Musa were tormented by a much higher, a much more invincible power than the Quraysh. But they did not survive. And they were destroyed in this world. So now you think that the Quraysh is oppressive? You think that Abu Jahl is oppressive? You think that these people are now not playing with the rules of justice? Then read this story, the story of Musa, and you will see that you will gain a tremendous uh, solidarity and psychological uh, resistance. If you read the story of Musa, Allah helped Musa because Musa and his people were innocent, Allah destroyed Fir'aun because Fir'aun and his people were oppressive and they were wrongdoers. So this was the boost that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave through this story to the Sahaba, through the Prophet meaning this story was not revealed in a vacuum. It was revealed for the Sahaba so the Sahaba would understand that one day will come when if these people do not stop their oppression, they will also perish in this world and that happened in Badr. A few years later, 70 were killed and 70 were held captives, made prisoners of war from the Quraysh. Very quickly Allah subhanahu wa help came. So the idea that Muslims are always now oppressed is one thing and the idea that Muslims need to know how to seek Allah's madad and assistance is another thing. Madad and assistance comes from our good deeds our sense of purity, our sense of taqwa, our sense of piety, and our sense of being just and noble. Madad and help doesn't come from assuming leadership for the sake of the dunya, for the sake of the world, because that is short-lived. Once you promote that as a theory for Muslim success, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already mentioned, إِنَّهُ لَا He doesn't give any zalim any success. That is not how Allah operates in this world. And then we caused some more curse to follow them in this world. I mean, even in this world, after they died and after they drowned in the sea, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them more curse upon them so that they were even more uh, ridiculed and even more looked down upon and scoffed upon. And even today, people are still making movies about the Red Sea crossing scene. Who are the villains there? They're still depicted as villains, not the heroes. And this is a lana, this is a curse from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It continues because this was the state of their mind. They were the ultimate oppressors. Yeah. And then furthermore, on the day of judgment, they will be detested and they will be hated. Meaning when people look at them on the Day of Judgment, they will not see them as leaders of the free world, as people who gave now freedom, liberty and justice and the pursuit of happiness to everybody in the world. They will be scoffed upon, they will be scorned at and they will be derided and they will be hated. Maqbuhin from the word qabaha, qubha, ugliness. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make them ugly 
in the eyes of people on the Day of Judgment because they were ugly in this world. They were ugly because they did not believe in Allah, they were ugly because they were tyrants, and they were ugly because they did not care for the needs of other people in this world. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will repay them the same way they paid people in this world. So this is the story of Musa as you will see in the next section which we won't do today. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is using this story to fortify the Prophet Muhammad and to consolidate his position in front of the Quraysh so that his mission is also accomplished. Okay, the Quran is revealed to whom? To the Prophet Every ayah is for whom? For Muhammad So we must not isolate any ayah away from the Prophet That's the key to understand in the Quran. Number, one. Number two, how does that apply to us as his ummah? That is where our lesson is, that we must take a lesson for our situation today in the world and see who is a tyrant, who is a Fir'aun, and who is a miskeen Musa, and who are those people who will be delivered. So the story starts with Allah's promise that he wanted to favor those who are oppressed, and it now finishes at the end also by further elaborating this theme, and the whole surah continues with the theme, as we will see. Inshallah, we will stop here. This is one segment. As you can see, and we'll continue with this the next time we meet, inshallah. May Allah guide us all and give us his fadl. Subhanallah, alhamdi, subhanakallah, alhamdi, kanashad Allah, ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu alayk, subhanar bikr bi izzat amma izfoon, wa salam Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.